Well, good morning. Are you guys ready to go this morning? Good. Buckle up, man. We're going to have a good time. I want to start with a question. And, and how many of you guys know somebody, or maybe you yourself did this, where uh, you know you pick a word for the year that you like to kind of focus on, or maybe it's a, uh, a sentence or a verse or something like that? How many of you have ever done that kind of thing? Yeah, okay. Anybody willing to share what, is it a word or a, what is it? What do you do? Karen, I saw your hand go up. What do you do? So, so is it your priorities that you kind of go over, or is it, do you have a word every year, or, oh, word, word, word. yeah, or a verse, or something like that, do you pick a new one, or, yeah, it's, uh, choose, life. choose life, choose life, okay, okay, so, yeah, yeah, so a lot of times, you know, I know some people who've done, I've got a friend who every year prays over it, you know, and says, Lord, what is the word you want me to focus on this year, and then, uh, looks for God to give them a word and they kind of focus on that word throughout the year. Uh, sometimes we do that with resolutions, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, but today, I want to give you a statement. I want to give you a sentence that I am hoping you will not be able to let go of. I'm hoping that it just permeates you and because I think this sentence is going to really change things for a lot of people. If you can own this statement, if you can meditate on this statement, if you can think about this statement, for some of you, it will clear up some big mysteries. For others of you that you have, uh, maybe a, it'll help your understanding of God. You'll be able to see his perspective in ways that you've maybe never seen it before. Uh, and so, so... All right, here it is. Here it is. Ready? It's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. Amen. Okay? That's, the, that's what I want you to think about. It's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. Now, um, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. Uh, over 30 years ago, um, when I was, you know, probably in grade school. No, that's not true. Over 30 years ago, I was a young man in business. And I remember that at that time, it was all the big thing was, hey, man, you know what? If you can, we have, you can make your mind do certain things. And so the uh, financial firm that I was a part of, they really were into that. And so every morning we would come in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and you were required to stand next to your desk. And we started the day this way. And then we had to repeat this phrase, act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. You know, the whole idea of how we act, our emotions and feelings will follow. And so we would have to say it three times. I mean, you would start it to be act enthusiastic and you'll be, and we had to have emotion with it too, on top of that, three times. And, 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 and the third time, they wanted you to, by that time, and you know, by that time, you've only had two, three, four cups of coffee, you know, in the Northwest by eight o'clock in the morning. So you're just trying to get going there. And the third time, they wanted you to say, act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. And you had to jump and do that, right? And I remember as a young man in my three-piece suit at that time thinking, this is ridiculous. That they would make us adults act this way is just so stupid. I can't believe they would make us do that. I remembered that experience as I was preparing for this message. And I realized, I still remember that stupid saying. 
And so this morning, I want you, we're gonna, I'm going to give you the scripture in just a minute that is going to augment, that is going to back up, that is going to demonstrate how important it is for you to understand it's not my way or your way, it's only God's way. Do you see the motions with that? Would you say it with me? It's not my way or your way, it's only God's way. Now I want you to say it to somebody else. If you're too embarrassed to do that, you can point it at me and say it, okay? But let's do it that way, okay? One more time. It's not my way or your way, it's only God's way. And for those of you who want to make sure your place in heaven is secured and all that kind of stuff. If you want to stand up and jump, you can. One more time with enthusiasm. It's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. That's right. Let's pray. Lord, it is only your way. And this morning as we open up your word, I am praying, Holy Spirit, that you would impress that upon us so clearly that we could not mistake it, that it is about who you are and that we have the privilege and the pleasure of serving you of hearing from you, and of being involved in life as your children. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the reason this is so important, friends, is because if you understand this, if you think about this, it kind of begins to change how you see God. And what is so important is, what, is to understand what your expectations and understanding of God are. Because if you do not have the right expectations or understanding of God, you'll be disappointed in how he responds to you. You really will. If you're expecting him to respond this way or that way because of how you perceive God and your expectations and understanding are not aligned with his, then you're going to wind up being disappointed. Some of you have been really disappointed in what God's done in your life or not done in your life that you think he should have. And part of the reason may be because you have expectations and an understanding of him that actually are not accurate. So I'm hoping this morning that we can help align that. So we're going to look at God's word. The first thing I want to look at is uh, just a couple of verses from Proverbs, chapter 3, verse number 5. The guy who wrote Proverbs is King Solomon, considered to be the wisest, wisest man to ever have lived. Here's what Solomon said in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And then I love the fact that the wisest guy that to have lived says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. There's a great way to end that. But what Solomon is saying is, here's what you should not do. Do not focus on your will. Don't depend on your understanding. In other words, it's not my way or your way. And what he says instead is, but, but focus on his will in all you do. It's only God's way. You see how that works? It's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. Yeah. So now let's look at an example from Scripture of that lived out. We'll look at Joshua chapter 5. We're going to begin in just a moment in verse number 13. If you have your um, Bibles with you or your apps, you can uh, get to Joshua chapter 5, and we'll take off in verse 13 in just a minute. But before we do, I want to give you a little backdrop to this as to what's happened to lead up to the story that we're going to go into, okay? So the children of Israel have been in the desert for 40 years under Moses' leadership after they came out of Egypt. And now Joshua has been appointed leader. They're getting ready to go into the promised land, and they're going to get across the Jordan River in, in, uh, in a miraculous way. Does anybody know how they got across the Jordan River? You're going to have to read your Bibles. You really are. That's part of the deal here. Uh, on dry ground. 
on dry ground, just like they went across the Red Sea on dry ground. Now they're going to go across the Jordan River on dry ground. God's going to stop the river up and allow about two million of the Israelites to go across the river on dry ground. He gives really specific instructions to Joshua about how this is supposed to be done, okay? He says to Joshua, here's what I want you to tell the people. I want you to tell them that the priests are going to come with the Ark of the Covenant. Next question. What does the Ark of the Covenant represent to the Israelites? The presence of God, the presence of God. Excellent, man, you're awake now, I love that. So, so here's, here's a little rabbit trail that's free for you that really is a cool picture. So Joshua is saying, God's telling his people, listen, the priests are going to pick up the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. It represents the presence of God because we're going into a place that we have never been before. We don't know what's going on over there, but we are going to follow the presence of God into the place that we're not familiar with, into the place that we've never been. We're going to follow Him. We're going to let Him lead us. Just so that you know, none of us know what's going to happen later today. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. So if we can follow the presence of God, isn't that a great picture for us to say we're going to let him get a respectful distance and we're going to follow him. Now somehow God got that information to Joshua. I have read this and read this and, and it doesn't tell us how. It doesn't tell us if Joshua had a vision from him saying this is how I want you to do that. If Joshua heard him audibly speaking, if Joshua was praying and suddenly was impressed upon his mind, it doesn't tell us how he got this from God. It just tells us that he does. Now, as we begin reading in verse 13, you're going to realize that the way he's going to hear from God in this case is different than the way he did before. And the reason we know that is he didn't expect it. Ah, there's something for us to think about. God often speaks to us in different ways. He doesn't always speak to us the same way. And if we get in the rut of going, well, God's got to speak to me this way, and he shows up in a completely different way, if we're not ready for that, we could miss what he has to say. And so he's saying, I'm going to speak to you in different ways. Joshua, we knew he heard it because when they did it, it happened. And when those priests, I mean, I can't imagine what it had to be like to be one of those priests. <laughs> Joshua says, hey, you guys are going to pick up the ark, and you're going to walk down to the Jordan River, which is in flood stage, by the way. And, and as soon as your feet hit the water, then you're to stop and God's going to stop up the water. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like to be walking down there and going, is this going to work? I mean, come on, man. Is this really going to work? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, and then you hit the water and you go stop and go, okay. And all of a sudden the water just stops flowing. I mean, that had to just, oh man. Anyway, just, just think about how awesome that is. Now, now they're going to get across the Jordan River, and they, they've crossed it now, okay, where we're at in Joshua chapter 5. You can read about all that in the first four chapters. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 13, they're parked, they're getting ready to attack Jericho. This town, as you may recall, with this huge wall around it, impregnable. Nobody thought they could possibly ever be defeated. And now the children of Israel are there. I think Joshua wants to do a little reconnaissance of his own. So he begins to sneak out to see the town. Or maybe he was just wanted to pray and say, God, how are you going to do it this time? I, I don't, we don't know for sure. It doesn't tell us. But we know he's on his way there because we pick it up in verse number 13. And here's what it says. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? I want to stop there a second because I, I want you to get that picture. 
Now, we don't know how big that dude was, but I got a feeling he was pretty big. When you go back and look at the first chapter of Joshua and even into the second chapter, God tells Joshua, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over there and you're going to be victorious. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to fight the battles, and, 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 but I'm going to show you what to do, but you're going to be victorious. Only be courageous. Be courageous. Be courageous. He keeps telling him, be courageous, and, and, and do not fear, for I will never leave you or forsake you. So now he comes, and he sees this guy with a sword drawn, and he's got to be thinking, okay, here we go. Here we go. And he's, are you friend or foe? Which honestly kind of reminds me of myself in a way. When I think I'm right, I can really be demanding sometimes. Now, I know that's just me and the person sitting next to you, but, um, but we all can do that now and again, right? Sometimes we get so demanding about our position, we're actually willing to fight the wrong foe. Sometimes we can get so upset at the person who is not the spirit that we can begin to want to fight the wrong foe. But the Bible tells us that our, body, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against something else. It's against spirits. It's, against, it's in the spiritual realm. And God tells us that we should be doing our battle in a different way because we got to understand it's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. And that gives us a little different perspective on these things. So Joshua is ready to go with this guy. Uh, he actually is thinking, there's only two ways. It's my way or the way of the people in Jericho. But that's not the response he's about to get from this man. Here's what the man says. Neither one. So are you friend or foe? Neither one. He replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Whoa. Now, I stopped and thought about that for a second. I thought, wait a minute. That's confusing. Why would he say neither one to Joshua? Joshua was the leader of the Israelites, which are the children of God. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're, you, Israelites, you are my people. Well, wouldn't it make sense then that he would be for their way? Ah, I think that's what Joshua thought. I think Joshua thought, you know what? I'm for God. I love God, I serve God, I believe in God, therefore God's for my way. Ah, but God's about to instruct him a little differently. And the way this man responds to him makes it clear, Joshua, that's, it's not your way. And it's not the people of Jericho's way. It's only about God's way, Joshua. And I want to get you to get that clear. And I think about that today, my friends, as we are in a, in a time of political division, we're in a time of racial division, how are you doing it, how are you supposed to do it this way or that way, pandemic division, and God's going, it's not your way and it's not my way, it's only God's way. Oh man, Lord, how do we live that out well? How do we represent you well in this environment? God told us in Isaiah 55, 9, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So God's gently correcting Joshua's view of there only being two ways and saying, no, no, Joshua, uh, 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 there's a third way. It's the most important way. It's my way. At this, it tells us, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? When we get into God's presence and recognize it, the response will be two things. 
It'll be obedience and it will be worship. It'll be obedience and worship. When you sense God's presence and you know he is there, man, we are compelled to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God's telling Joshua, what I want you to understand is it's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. It's only God's way. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Took off his sandals. He's on the ground. The commander says this is holy ground. Question, is there another place where somebody was told to take off their sandals in the Bible? Where? Who? Moses. Moses, yes. Exodus chapter 3, you can read about that. But that there's, there's God in this burning bush and Moses is coming along and, and God says, Moses, Moses. He goes, I, I'm here. And he comes, starts to walk over to that bush to see what's in it. And he says, stop, take off your sandals for the ground you're standing on is holy. Wow. I am absolutely confident that Moses had shared that experience with Joshua. I know he did because it's in, he wrote it down. I got a feeling that when that commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground, that chills went up and down his spine. He went, oh my goodness. I remember this happening to Moses, and it was the beginning of God setting the children of Israel free from Egypt. In fact, if you might remember, if you go back and read about that in Exodus chapter 3, Moses wanted to argue with God about it. Say, say send somebody else to do it, and God said, uh-uh, I'm sending you. But Moses, Moses, I want you to understand something. It's not going to be about your way. It's not going to be about Pharaoh's way. It's going to be about God's way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Moses came to understand the same thing. It's not my way or your way, Pharaoh's way. It's only God's way. And now Joshua is on the ground worshiping this guy. I think when we recognize God's way, the result will be our worship. Now, I wondered, who is this commander of the Lord's army? And was it the same man that showed up there that might have been in the burning bush, that might have showed up in some other places that we read about in the Old Testament? I think in some of those instances, it might have been. Well, what, what, what was this about? Who was this guy? He says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. That would make him either Michael or Jesus prior to Jesus coming and be incarnate in the flesh. Well, well, so I think what's happening here, friends, is what, what theologians call a Christophany. You only find a Christophany in the Old Testament. A Christophany is where Jesus shows up clothed in something else, clothed in, to look like a man, to look like an angel. And the reason he does that is so he can have a direct communication with somebody. So this used to really confuse me uh, because you might remember in, um, oh, it's Exodus, uh, oh, I forget what chapter exactly, where, um, where Moses, God shows up to Moses and Moses says, I want to see you. I want to see your glory, Lord. I want to see your glory. And God says, you can't see my glory. It'll kill you. No one can look at me and, and stay alive. But I'll tell you what, because you want to see my glory so bad, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rocks, between these rocks. I'm going to pass by, and I'll let you see just the train, just the very end of my glory, because that's all you'll be able to see and stay alive. 
And, and, and so he does that, and Moses is overwhelmed by that. And as he does it, God is reminding him of who God is and who he is and telling him that he's going to be with him and he's going to do all these things on behalf of his people, the children of Israel. And so, so Moses comes out from that. And, he's, and then later I read in Deuteronomy 34 where he says, And Moses met with God like a man face to face. And I think, how does that work? You can't see God or you'll die, but now you're saying you met him face to face. Well, I think the way he did it is just like this commander of the Lord's army, which I think was a Christophany in Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because if it was just an angel, what happens when people see an angel for the first time? They go down. That's, that's right. They go down on their face, don't they? They go down. And then what does the angel say? Fear not. Fear not. And what else do they say? Get up. Don't worship me. I'm not God. That's what the angels say. The angels say, no, 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 don't worship me. I'm not God. This guy says, worship me. Oh, you're in the presence, the direction of God himself. And you need to understand, it's not your way or somebody else's way or the people of Jericho's way. It's only God's way. In Exodus uh, 23 verse 20, here's what God tells the people of Israel. See, I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. Do not rebel against him, for he's my representative, and he'll not forgive your rebellion. But if you're careful to obey him, following my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. So when will God be an enemy to our enemies and when will he oppose those who oppose us? When we're careful to obey his instructions, when we understand who he is in the deal. So obeying God's way puts us and God on the same side. Isn't that a great picture? I want to be on God's side. God says there's only one way you can be on my side. God said, listen, there's only one way. You've got to understand it's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. And when we understand that and we say, God, I want to be on your way, on your side, doing it the way you want me to do it, then he says, all right. All right. Then you don't have to worry about the enemies because your enemies are my enemies. You don't have to worry about the rest of the stuff. I've got that covered. Now, here's my problem. Or let me rephrase that. Here's one of my problems. Um, we can get into the rest of them later. We ain't got enough time. Uh, I, I love God. I mean, guys, I love God. And I'm going to tell you why. I know what he's done for me. I know the depth of what he's done for me. Because I know what I deserve. And he's come and given me his grace. And Jesus has paid the price for my sins. I got to tell you, there is no one who would do that for me unless they love me incredibly. They love me more than anyone else could possibly love me. And so I begin to understand just a little bit how much God loves me, and it overwhelms me. It makes me think, of, yes, God, I know you love me. You love me so incredibly much, and I know that because of what you've done for me. So now I, it's natural, natural for me to begin to assume, well, he loves me that much. He must love my ways that much too. So when I pray, I'm usually, you know, I try to make sure he understands my way, that he should give it to me my way. 
And sometimes I get so confident in that, I want to convince him that my way actually is his way. And do you see what happens when we begin to take that out too far? Here's what happens. We can actually, and you might know somebody who's actually done this. We can actually end up getting mad at God because he didn't do it the way we think he should do it. But God, I thought you should heal my mom. But God, I thought you should do it this way. But God, I thought, what are you doing, God? And we can get mad at God. You might know someone who has done that or who is currently there today. Can I tell you, friends, the only way we can get there is by not understanding God's way. And he says, my ways are so much higher. My ways are so much bigger. My thoughts are, my ways are, everything is. Can you trust me with my way? God's way doesn't always make sense to us. This is important to understand. It's a truth we need to realize. Sometimes, God, I don't understand your way. I don't. No matter how much I strain my brain, I don't understand it. Can, and God says, can you be okay with that? Can you be okay with the creator that created the universe that you actually can't understand everything I understand? There's a surprise. Really? If you could understand everything God understands, why would you want him as your God? Just a thought. I want him as my God because he knows so much more than I know. But it requires that I trust him. It requires that I say, Lord, I don't get this, but you do. I get you. I trust you. I know you love me, even when your ways don't make sense. Here's a case in point of the way not making sense. In, four, in, in verse 14, it says, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. He says, I'm at your command. What do you want your servant to do? And then what was he told? So this one, you have to really, you have to really read it closely and stretch, kind of get in between the lines of the scripture to understand this, because it's not written out for us. But I believe the commander of the Lord's army is who gave Joshua the battle instructions. Wouldn't that make sense? Yeah, because I think before that he doesn't tell us what the battle instructions are, but after that he does. So I think that's right where he got the instructions. And here are the instructions he got. He got the craziest battle plan you've ever heard of. Hey, Joshua, so here's what I want you to do as a Lord, commander of the Lord's army. Uh, take your army, and for the next seven days, you're going to march around Jericho, march around it once a day, six days in a row. On the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. Then you're going to hoot and holler and yell and scream. The walls are going to come down from the city completely. The walls that houses are built on, yeah, those walls are going to come down completely. You're going to go in and you're going to go get victory. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, doesn't, can you imagine receiving that and going, <laughs> Really? really. But that's why it's so important for us to understand it's not my way or your way. It's only whose way? God's way. Because his way will be above ours. It'll be different than ours. And so I think, God, do you have another example of that? And God says, yes, look at Moses, Exodus. And, and, and when I came and told Moses, here's how you're going to get out of Egypt. There are going to be 10 plagues. I'm going to direct all of them. And by the way, when you get to the 10th plague, here's what I want the children of Israel to do. I want you to take a lamb, a perfect little lamb. I want you to slit its throat. I want you to catch the blood in a basin. I want you to take that blood, and you're going to put that blood on the doorpost and over the lentil of your home. And then you're going to go into the home, and you're going to have this, the, the Passover meal. And the angel of death that I'm going to send to take out the firstborn of every family will pass over you, and you will not have the judgment. 
And then the Egyptians are going to be so excited to see you go, they're going to shower gifts and everything else on you on your way out of town. And we say, are you kidding me? If you hadn't read it before, you would say, that's about the craziest thing I've ever heard. And Joshua's going, I think I just went up that one. And God's going, yeah, you need to understand, Joshua, it's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. It's only God's way. God's plans must, must supersede our plans and our ways, gang. If they don't, you are fighting the wrong battle. So Joshua follows the plans of God instead of making up his own plans and expecting God to bless them, which is, by the way, that's just one of my things I'll tell you I can tend to do. I'll make up my plans, which I think are right, and they're not wrong, they're just not God's way. And then I'll say, God, why don't you bless my plans as I go out and do them my way? And how many Christians don't live that life? And it's a cry and shame because then we get upset if God doesn't bless us the way we think he should bless us. And all along, we haven't said, God, I'll do whatever your way is. We've decided to dictate to him which way he should go with us. Joshua follows the plans. He understands that, listen to this. This is really important. God is only for him when he is following God's plans and God's ways. God is only for us when, we're, when we are following God's ways, not our own ways. We want to align with God. We need to be willing to follow his ways. And that's why the commander of the Lord's army said, neither one, neither one. I know you think it's you and them. I know you think that's where the battle's at, but neither one. I I'm representing God's way. Joshua carries out what seems like God's goofy battle plan, and they have this incredible victory. And so we can derive from that that God blesses us when we carry out His plans and His ways. But the only way we can do that consistently, friends, is to not forget it, for you to go out of here and say, man, I wish I could get it out of my mind, but that crazy guy, that pastor, he keeps saying, it's not my way or your way, it's only God's way, and now that's all I can think of this next week. May God give you that blessing. Yes. May He give you that blessing. Here's what's amazing to me. Joshua got it. Joshua did it. And Joshua forgot it. He forgot it. After all of that, he forgot it. That's why I don't want you to forget it. And the reason we know he forgot it is because the very next battle, you know, the first battle's against Jericho. Too big, too tough to beat, and they beat him. Now they go up against this little tiny town called Ai, too small to worry about. And they make up their own plans as to how they're going to defeat those guys, and they go into battle. Anybody remember what happened? Nobody remembers what happened. Wow, we'll have to go back and read the Bible. Right after this great battle with Jericho, they go against Ai, which is nothing, and they lose. They get defeated. They get beat. They're scared to death. How could we beat Jericho that everyone in this land knows was really tough, and now we go up against the C team. We go up against the nobodies, and we get whipped. Oh, no, everybody's going to come against us. And Joshua goes, Lord God, what, what's going on? And God says, man, there's been sin in the camp. And guess what else? You chose your own way. You didn't get your instructions from me. So what does Joshua do? He falls on his face and he says, Lord, I confess. I confess that we have decided to do it our own way. And I forgot it's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. 
when he confesses that and says, Lord, would you help me with this? Would you help us correct this? And God says, yep. Now here's the new battle plan I'll give you. And victory follows. Now I don't know about you, but I'm hoping you are an honest person. And I know at least three or four of you are. Um, I'm hoping you're honest enough to look inside of yourself and say, wow, Lord, where have I done that? And as the Holy Spirit shows you the areas you have done that in, follow Joshua's example, would you? Say, Lord, I confess. I've wanted to do it my way and ask you to bless my way. Lord, I confess that I've gotten in the wrong direction here. It's always been, I'll figure out the plan and ask you to come along and bless it. Lord, I want to just give you all of me right now. I want to, what adjustments do I need to make, Lord? So Joshua comes and says, Lord, I'm confessing what we've done wrong. Now show me the adjustments. God says, here are the adjustments that I want you to make. Here are the assignments I want you to carry out in making them. Now go and you will be going my way. Sometimes our ways are not wrong. They're just not God's way. They're just not His way. May God allow you to go from here with that little mantra resonating in your mind. It's not my way or your way. It's only... So we've only been at this for 32 minutes not 29 minutes and you've forgotten already. Can you say it with me? It's not my way or your way. It's only God's way. Lord, right now, we've got to come to you. And we just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of your word. And thank you for the fact that, that we can come to you and say, Lord, we, sometimes we get it wrong. And I pray right now, Lord, for those people here this morning who, and, and online who have been hearing this message and, and, and they've realized that that I've been doing it my way and asking God to bless my way. Lord, we confess that as your children. We're so thankful that you are ready to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and that then you bless us with directing us in our ways, in your way. Would you help Arbor to be a church that remembers it's not about my way or your way, but it's, Lord Jesus, only about your way. Would you give us victory in that? And because of that, would you let your love be so evident through us as your people <laughs> that, that other people who would come into, into our presence would recognize not our love, your love, your love for them. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.